Support for My Fellow Kansans was provided by the United Methodist Health Ministry Fund, working to improve the health and wholeness of Kansans since 1986 through funding innovative ideas and sparking conversations in the health community. Learn more at healthfund.org. Just last month, teens in Neodice filed into their school auditorium. They didn't know why they'd been summoned, but they left with the knowledge that they could go to college tuition-free thanks to the generosity of someone who was once in their shoes. And they reacted pretty much how you'd expect. I'm very shaken up about it, and I think I'm very, um, I, I don't know how to put it into words right now. Like, it's still sinking in. Like, it's, it's a big deal, and it's crazy. Me, I was going to have to apply for so many scholarships, and I have, that, like, have been shot down, so I've kind of been stressing about it. Shocked. Shocked. Yeah. Um, were you intending to go to college? Yeah. I wasn't quite sure how I was going to do it, though. I'm Jim McLean, and this is a bonus episode of My Fellow Kansans, a podcast from the Kansas News Service. We produced this addendum to the six-episode second season of the podcast so that we could more fully cover a story that came from you, our listeners. And I'm sitting here with my colleague, Celia Yopis Jepson, who's going to fill us in. Yeah, so we got a tip from a listener about a totally different way that one small Kansas town is trying to grow its economy in an area that just keeps shrinking. And the experts that I talked to had never really heard of a case quite like this, so that made the whole thing even more intriguing. Yeah, Neodice is home to about 2,000 people in southeast Kansas, right? Not far from Parsons, where I grew up. Anyway, so you went down for the big reveal, so tell me, what's, what's different about this idea? Well, since you were tied up with other podcast episodes, right. mm-hmm. I went down to report on whether an amazing deal for families in Neodice could stop population decline there. Mm. There's a wealthy guy, he grew up there, and he's offered to pay college tuition for Neodice kids to go anywhere. And he'll cover up to the price of the state's most expensive public university, that's KU right now, University of Kansas, about $11,000 a year. And it's not just about getting kids an education beyond high school, right? As we said before, it's about the town's survival, something that was clear in the uh, shorter story that you produced for Morning Edition. Uh, That was a good piece, so let's take a listen to that again, and we'll talk more about it on the other side. The offer of free tuition isn't just for the class of 2020. It's good for the next 25 years at least, maybe decades beyond that. It took time for all that to sink in with the town's 300 middle and high schoolers at the big reveal in their auditorium last week. A stage full of adults took turns at the podium telling them all sorts of details, keep up a 2.5 GPA, yada yada, but the magnitude finally hit home. There was cheering, hugging, huge smiles from the senior class seated in the front rows. Kids can use this offer for a bachelor's degree, for community college, technical college, wherever they see their future. For Deja Pouncil, it's Wichita State University, an hour and a half away. She wants to study dental hygiene and Spanish. <laughs> I'm, I'm still in shock right now. I've been really saving up for college. I know most of my classmates have been also saving up, working real hard, and this is just a real relief off of our shoulders. Now, the program has two goals, 
obviously help teens like Pouncil, but also bring people to Neodiche, families with kids thinking long-term about how expensive college will be. They'll have to live here to get that tuition someday. This town isn't the first place with what's often called a promise program, but the programs tend to be in larger places. Like Kalamazoo, Michigan, it has 75,000 people, a large university, and a major craft brewer. Or El Dorado, Arkansas, 18,000 people. It's a regional hub with oil and tourism industries. Neodiche, it's got 2,300 people and some manufacturing. Still, hundreds of people commute to it for work in those plants. Like this one, Cobalt Boats, where workers are building the hull of a luxury motorboat. So this, this process just gets repeated, layer by layer, resin and glass are applied. Shane Stanfield is the president. Maybe more of his employees will move here to take advantage of the free tuition, and others would follow. And with that, they'll, they'll need jobs, and that will also help, help us to get, you know, find the right people to work for us. Yet, Neodiche leaders admit their town barely has any suitable housing for more people to move in. It's the same story all over rural America. Lots of old houses in bad shape that are tricky to renovate, and it's surprisingly expensive to build new ones. The city struck a deal with a rural housing company to help, but Neodiche's scholarship may just bring people from other towns that are also shrinking. That'd be a win for Neodiche's tax base and schools, but then what? There's clear reason for skepticism about whether it'll work, whether it will get population growth. Matthew Sanderson is a sociologist at Kansas State University who studies rural issues. There's a very real possibility here that it's sort of robbing Peter to pay Paul. To spur real growth, he says, Neodish's offer will have to attract more employers and new jobs, neither of which is easy. The man behind all this is Ben Cutler. He remembers a thriving Neodiche when he grew up here in the 50s and 60s. He left for an Ivy League education and retired after a very profitable career in the insurance industry. I don't think any of us that are, have been working on this scholarship program now, I've been working on it for a couple of years, think that uh, this is going to be easy. This, this is going to require some heavy lifting on the part of the school, on the part of the community, on, on the part of the businesses here. Sanderson, the professor, is curious to see if Neodiche can pull it off. He's never seen a town like this one try to reinvent itself in this way. Okay, wow, there's a lot going on there. So let's unpack it. Neodiche has lost a third of its population since Ben Cutler left, and that was in the early 60s. That's a lot of people, Celia, but you say in the piece that there's not enough housing for the new residents that the town hopes to attract. Why, why is that? Yeah, so this is the great paradox of rural housing. Oh, okay. What does that mean? Well, first of all, where do you build? Uh -huh. I mean, if you build outside of a rural town, then that town needs water and sewer lines and streets, and that can be hard for some towns to pay for. And also, you know, in Neodiche, people told me there are a lot of homes that are dilapidated or, you know, I mean, they're not in great shape. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, some old houses get torn down and that creates empty lots for new houses. But people don't necessarily want to build a new home right next to an older home. Okay, I guess that makes a lot of sense. But is there, is there anything else then? This sounds like a pretty complicated problem. Yeah, on top of that, the academics I talked to told me that it's hard to get developers to build in small towns because it's expensive to build in rural areas. Sometimes there's not much cheap construction labor. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, and then people can't afford to pay. You know, what people can afford to pay for the finished product isn't enough. Um, people usually aren't earning as much in rural areas as suburban ones. Here's Matt Sanderson. He's the guy from K-State that you heard earlier. Generally speaking, our housing stock in rural Kansas towns is substandard. It's, it's not the level that you would find in suburban and urban communities uh, around the state. So often, we're, if you're from an urban setting, uh, or even a suburban setting, and you uh, even if you have this type of incentive, you find yourself being attracted to Neodice, you will start looking for housing, right, and to set yourself up and perhaps start a family. And you're looking at sizable capital outlays uh, to in- have to invest to get the housing back up to standard level, right? So that's a significant deterrent, I think, uh, for, for trying to attract folks to these rural towns. All right. On top of all of that, some of the good housing that is available in Neodice is set aside for poorer people. And the mayor, Terry Harper, says a lot of people in the area earn too much to qualify. Mm. That's even though the average family in this county, Wilson County, is earning $11,000 less than the average Kansas family. Okay. So are, are there any solutions? That's a pretty complicated problem. Are there any solutions on the horizon, if not to all of the challenges that this community faces, at least to this housing problem? So the city has struck a deal with an Iowa company that specializes in rural housing. Okay. Uh, so that's good. And there are some options like reconfiguring a mobile home park for mm. a dozen homes. But the mayor and others were honest. I mean, housing is going to be tough. And it's really a sink or swim factor for this whole economic development plan. Right. This, this is an urgent problem, I might add, throughout rural Kansas. It's why Dodge City, for instance, and we went there in the podcast, went to all the trouble of moving an abandoned but still usable house from tiny Jetmore 30 miles down the highway into Dodge. Exactly. Now, Neodice can use this news about its scholarship program to market itself. And maybe that will attract investment in housing and, and maybe even new businesses. Yeah, that's at least the hope, right? Right. That's the hope. There's a feeling that the town is going to come together. They just revived the local chamber of commerce. Um, I talked to Don Adams on the phone. He's a local businessman, and he started work on those challenges like getting the chamber back together before the public announcement about the free college tuition. And he and other people I talked to described this you know, almost like a jolt of Ooh. energy, uh, you know, this feeling that it's time right now. They're going to change their town's fate. I know what this opportunity is. I see what the opportunity is. And I don't want us to let that window close and not have taken advantage of what may be one of God's greatest gifts that could have ever come to our little community. And there were even some feelings of guilt mixed in there. You know, I, I'll be honest. I, I feel so guilty because I've lived in that community all this time. I could have had my scrawny butt out there getting some of this stuff fixed before. Well, why did I have to wait until Ben came and said, Don, I need you to do that? Why didn't I just go do it myself? Like what? Well, the housing thing. I mean, it doesn't doesn't take rocket scientists to figure out that there's 500 people leaving town every day. Why Why didn't I get involved earlier and say, hey, we need to figure out how to get this housing thing fixed right now. And I'm going to do everything that, that, that God's power will give me to get this fixed. But what I heard. 
heard from Adams and from the other people who are really involved in the future of Neodice is that they're fighting against a feeling that population loss is just, you know, this thing that's inevitable. We needed something to push us off the ledge, and this did it. Okay, so this just might be the thing to create a new mindset at Neodice, get people thinking that it's at least possible to get the town moving back in the right direction. Uh, but it does seem like kind of a go-it-alone approach, meaning uh, this could help Neodice, but at the expense of neighboring communities. That's what Sanderson at K-State said. So one of Neodice's neighboring school districts has 180 kids left. Another of the neighboring districts has 120 kids left. District-wide? Those are the entire districts? Yeah, these are entire districts that mm. I'm talking about. So, um, you know, Neodice itself has 700 kids. Okay. Now, Folks in Neodice say they're not just trying to shift people around from, you know, one school district or town to another. Um, they hope that this initiative can spur regional growth. Still, people know how it can look. Uh, Dick Osterber, for example, he's an insurance agent and he's been on the Neodice school board for nearly three decades. I'm going off the school board, but I would certainly expect the school to begin marketing to some of the kids in the other districts, which... You know, every once in a while, that's taboo. Uh, I'm a business person. I look at things in a business sense. Certainly longstanding rivalries are a barrier to progress across rural Kansas, so we'll just have to wait and see if that complicates this idea. But aside from that uh, and the skepticism of experts like Matt Sanderson, do the people behind this initiative really believe it can work, that it can turn the tide? Yes. Now, Ben Cutler, he's the donor, he's worked with a lot of charities over the years, and he really thought long and hard about whether to create this scholarship program. And he thinks Neodice is well-positioned for a turnaround. Mm. The schools are working super hard on academics. Um, they, you know, they've, they've, they've worked on having a plan for every kid to get ready for college and careers after graduation. And then there are jobs to be had in Neodice at the, the local manufacturing plants, yeah, for example. Yeah, that plant, right? Cobalt? Exactly, that mm -hmm. plant we heard. And there are younger people, you know, Cutler noticed that, people who are pouring sweat into improving their town. I felt like I saw some of that on Main Street. There are boarded up storefronts, yeah. But, you know, there are also spaces that are being renovated and reused. Um, the hardware store closed, but then it became uh, this great new home for a local interior designer and a gift shop. So those are, you know, some of the reasons that Cutler says Neodice is ready for this big investment. But look, uh, I, I realize the challenges we face to try to change the culture in this town. I mean, that the culture's built up over a number of years. It's pretty entrenched. I've had experience in changing cultures and organizations, and it's damn hard. But if we can make some progress, I, I'll, you know, I think it can have a profound impact on, on the trajectory of this little community in Southeast Kansas. And Cutler's program could really change lives. A lot of kids right now don't go to college. The irony, though, is that if they do, there is a risk they won't come back. And that's one of the reasons that the rural experts I talked to really weren't all that optimistic about the scholarship idea, at least, you know, in terms of it triggering economic growth. <music> 
So on the positive side, they said, hey, if this can keep people around who are in their 40s, you know, people have kids that they hope to send to college someday, then that's huge because rural Kansas has been losing a disproportionate number of people in those prime working years. Yeah, I've heard that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so and then, you know, on top of that, if obviously if you can have more kids around, that's every bit as important. Kids are where it all is going to start. If the population at the schools can stabilize or can continue to go up because of the Neodeshade promise, this is definitely a positive for the community. That's Kimberly Zarakor at Iowa State University. And if listeners missed her research into shrink smart communities in episode three of My Fellow Kansans, it's really worth going back and listening. <laughs> Thanks for the plug. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, one of the things that, you know, I feel like I learned, you know, took away from her research mm-hmm. is that really good things can, can happen in small communities when people are really committed to making them happen. And right. here you have someone like Ben Cutler who is really committed. It's great, really um, encouraging to see somebody who's from the town coming back and wanting to invest so much money. But even with that, Zaracor says it's going to be easier to hold on to kids who go to maybe a community or technical college that's not too far away, rather than those kids who go off to, you know, the big state schools for a four-year degree. Or even farther, or maybe the East Coast or something, right? Exactly. It's about jobs, but it's also just about cultural amenities and mindset. So students who meet more diverse populations, less religion, religious populations, um, students who want to travel, students who want to have a lot of choices for restaurants. You know, I have talked to some students at Iowa State who grew up in places where you had to drive 30 minutes to get to the grocery store. And having lived in Ames um, for a few years as a student, they told me that they can't even really conceive anymore of not having a high V that's five minutes from their house. Well, Celia, thanks for trekking all the way to southeast Kansas and bringing us this story. Uh, to my mind, it's like a lot of the initiatives we talked about in the podcast, ideas and projects that are giving people hope, uh, those people living in rural Kansas, giving them hope of slowing trends that are literally eating away at their communities. And, of course, time will tell, but given the power of the economic and cultural forces that they're up against, I'm afraid it could be false hope. I mean, it's it's possible, but it's encouraging to see people doing what they can to fight population decline. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. And a note to our listeners, uh, we'll be following this and several other initiatives aimed at reviving rural communities. That means there will likely be other bonus episodes of My Fellow Kansans. So check your podcast feed for updates. Keep listening to your favorite Kansas public radio station and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. It's called The Insider, and you can find it at ksnewsservice.org. Until the next time, I'm Jim McLean. My Fellow Kansans comes from the Kansas News Service, a collaboration of public radio stations KMUW in Wichita, Kansas Public Radio in Lawrence, High Plains Public Radio in Garden City, and KCUR in Kansas City. Jim McLean reported, wrote, and hosted the podcast. Scott Cannon and Suzanne Hogan edited the podcast script. Scott also edited digital stories that Jim wrote that appear at ksnewsservice.org. 
There are some great photographs of Kansas and Kansans there, shot primarily by Chris Neal. Ben Stanton worked as field producer. I'm Beth Golay. I worked with Luann Stevens, Jay Schaefer, and Ben in audio production. Primary Color Music composed our theme song, and other music you heard during the season came from Free Music Archive. Jordan Kirtley designed our logo. Event planning and social media promotion came together only with the help of Angie Hafley, Mark Statzer, Asha Lee, Sarah Jane Crespo, Grace Lotz, and Michael Russo. Thanks for listening.